I'm suiting up! Welcome to Doctor 3, a Hearthstone podcast dedicated to giving you explosive growth and climbing the standard rank ladder. I'm your host, Darren Alkline, and along with me are my fellow hosts, Nicolias and Major Death. So let's go into last week's poll question, Mage. I like how you said my name there. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'll have to try. I'll, I'll have to go back and listen to it so I can try and uh, re re uh, recreate that magic. Recreate that going forward. Okay. Poll question for last week: Which year of the Raven expansion will you miss the most? In standard, we had forty votes. Thank you to everybody who submitted a vote, and running away with it was the Mechs and the Boomsday Project. Uh, you know. Being kind of named after Doctor Boom, uh, it feels like that was maybe where we were we were kind of rooting as well. But sixty two point five percent of the votes said the Boomsday Project, twenty two point five said the Witchwood, fifteen percent said Rastakhan's Rumble, and uh, I was looking through the votes, we did have one other vote for none. He wants none of them. Ridiculous hat. That's a shout out to you. He's not <laughs> going. He's not going to miss any of these. That's that's fair. Now, to be fair, I was on the Rastakhan Rumble train because my boy Hakar is getting rotated out. So, <laughs> I'm I'm actually think I'm with Hat though for the complete opposite reason, and that my like I said before, Baku and Yen are already gone, and I miss those cards. <laughs> yeah, like it's, which would uh, uh, which would is nice, but I I miss Baku and Yen, and Hat just hated all of this. <laughs> fair. So. We'll have another question at the end of the show. So we're going to move into the news. Uh, patch 16.4 dropped last Wednesday. This was mainly a battleground patch, but did speed up animations for Overkill, Lifesteal, Poisonous, Inspire, and whatever after effects we've uh, talked about previously. Jesus, I haven't read the Inspire effect. That brings back <laughs> some memories. Uh for those of you who don't know, who are only playing standard and are new to the game, this was a TGT mechanic that the, something it's triggered after you, Yeah, after you hero power, it's inspire. Yeah, yeah, it's phase darker in the uh, dragon yes. hunter and uh, other hunters. Yeah, it just it's the same effect. It just did a bunch of random stuff. Yeah, it, it was actually a keyword, um, and yes. it was really, really bad, except for, I think, <laughs> Kodo uh, Rider? Murloc Knight. Oh, yes, yes, the uh, the um, the Kodo Rider was not bad, but the uh, the Valiant, uh, mm -hmm. Thunderblood Thunder Valiant, Valiant yeah. which was give your totem, inspire, Mid give your totems plus two attack. Yeah, Midrange Shaman. Yeah, that was Don't fun. Don't miss that. Those were uh, the days. Yes. Well, you were playing mid-range shaman, or you were losing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Sounds... So I was playing the Thunderbuff Valiant. If you can't can't if you can't be the hero, be the villain like everyone else. <laughs> it's fair. So they yeah. added a mage bundle, five packs of mage only standard cards for ten dollars. Likely gone from the shop by the time you hear this. I don't know who thought this was a good idea, but. <laughs> <laughs> if you bought it, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got some sweet legendaries. I hope you got your Toki that you were missing and whatnot. So This is really bad value. <laughs> it is. $2 it's a like, pack for only mage cards. Good luck. I mean, yeah, it's it was $13 Canadian, and it's like, no. Just no. 
So Blizzard teases more announcements coming in mid-March on Reddit. Um, and I will go ahead and link that uh, in the final uh, description of the episode. On a separate note, we've noted some members of the community wondering if yesterday's Dragon update for Battlegrounds was the totality of a big communication about game updates that has been rumored. While Dragons is a big update to the Battlegrounds mode, this is just the first step in our plans for the rest of the year. We'll have more information on what's next in Hearthstone mid-March. So that's what was posted there. So we'll Honestly, see Honestly, as coming. somebody who doesn't play Battlegrounds, I've been really disappointed. Yeah. Like, I was hoping to hear something from this big summit and, like, all I got was dragons in a game that I don't play, so I don't play. Yeah. <laughs> I know this isn't for me, and not, not everything has to be about me, but it's like, I don't know. It feels like they were kind of trying to hype everything up, and then it's like, oh, this doesn't actually mean anything next. I, yeah, I know. I can kind of understand, because you're like, if I want to play an auto battle, I'm going to go play TFT. <laughs> yeah, and I don't really want to play TFT right now, because I want to sit on my diamond rank, so. <laughs> well, there you go. The new but, set, though, is going on PBE soon, so I'm going to have something you, to do. But you may have gotten something and just not realized it if you went to the official Play Hearthstone website. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Derek, big announcement next... wasn't even an announcement. Yeah. It was a leak. Yes. Good job, guys. Yes. <laughs> All right. So possible New Year uh, may have been leaked. Year of the Phoenix? Question mark. New icon for the standard year that many thinks is a phoenix was shown on an English as well as other non-English speaking official pages, Ways to Play. So, so we might be in the year of the phoenix. What was funny is that it was released onto the English. It was released basically everywhere, I think. Um, and then they noticed it on the English speaking pages. And then Blizzard took those down, but left up every other one. <laughs> so people were going to the, the Russian and the Spanish and whatever pages and saying, yeah, it's still here. And I think it was there for like a long time until they finally got it down. Don't worry. The Russian pages, if you don't speak Russian, you can't read this picture. <laughs> uh, Blizzard thinks current standard meta looks okay, says XR. Um, and he posted this on Twitter, and let me go ahead and read that post. Discussed making constructed changes today, but meta looks and feels fun. Unlikely to make changes to wild or standard until post-expansion uh, post data and sentiment rolls in. So... So he talked about possibly that there might be a need after Galacron's Awakening yeah. came out for some more balance changes and and this this suggests we're not going to see anything until after whatever the next rotation and the new expansion that goes live is going to be that that we're we're here for however much longer the rest of this this goes we're not seeing any more changes i'm fine with so, that just want to say there's nothing obscenely broken right now so that's good <laughs> We're going to have a stable meta for more than two weeks. What? Hey! First time in a long time, so that's good. Um, and I think there's a Masters Tour. The Masters Tour LA is actually going to be played on a stable meta for the first time in, like, maybe the past two years. So, also, yay. Yay! 
So I think he's right. I think the meta's fine right now. So uh, good on them for not over meddling right now and not going to some sentiment that something seems broken. There seems to be the meta seems balanced where what you're playing has counters and takes advantage of other things. So the only bad thing is that priest is relevant right now. (laughs) Yeah, I know resurrect or like Galakron. Some people are playing Galakron resurrect priest. Just saying, well, you you don't play the the, um, invoke cards mostly. I think you play like two time rips and Galakron and that's it. it. Just yep. because Galakron is one, a removal, and two, generates value in late game. Uh, yep. So, it's not a Galakron res priest. It's just a res priest that has a late game and uh, value engine. Yep. Which half the time sucks because you're getting quartz elementals. <laughs> yeah, but if your opponent's not getting anything, then, well, uh, except for bad luck albatross. I was the say, they're, they're, they're drawing 1-1 one, one albatrosses from their yeah. deck, potentially. So, I don't know. It's, I'm not suggesting that, like, Galakrond's amazing or anything now because it's in this deck that's probably probably tier one i think i think it i think mm. that's where where it was when when i saw it on vicious syndicates last report but it it does it's nice to see that the one we were kind of lol priest on their galakron hey it's actually seeing a little bit of play even you know just because it's giving you a little bit you know yeah downsides ex- it's not making it on its own merit it's making it on you know the resurrect priest shell and then it's like oh hey you can do something at the end so i think yeah it's a response to the meta shift because before it was using the quest um instead and now it's like we need more late game value so i mean i guess yeah quartz elemental is literally better than nothing yeah so and that's about uh, it (laughs) yeah um so it's, it's finally having its moment in the sun I am not expecting that it will continue at any point in the after rotation happens. So yeah. enjoy it while it's hey, here. I'm not, suge- I'm not suggesting it's going. No, to I know you're this. not. It's, I'm it's just still saying bad. that, like, uh, you know, my opinion. I wasn't as down on it as I think other people were, and I, my hope was that it would get at least some play, and that it might be good enough to not be like a build around like like you're seeing the rogue one and the warrior one be and the shaman one that definitely was uh, but <laughs> I still but can't believe it, that was shipped it, but it <laughs> but it, it it is seeing play which is i think nice and i i mean for all the removal uh priest has it's still it's amazing to me that like part of the reason is oh hey we can add more removal to our deck because we're priests and that's all we do yep. yeah so hearthstone turns six years old log in between march 4th at 10 a.m p uh pacific time through march 17th at 10 a.m pacific time to receive two rise of shadows pack two saviors of Ozoom pack two descent of dragons packs and ye- the year of the dragon card back, and then free, yeah, free packs, full, six packs. packs. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. And the card pack or the card back. Uh, I think I think 
I saw a screenshot of it. The card back got a little dragon on it and all that around the logo, and so it looks pretty, pretty, pretty cool too. And then finally, we have the Wild Bundle announced. Three packs from current Wild expansions only, so twenty-four packs for fifteen U.S. dollars. Uh, good price per pack if you're looking at a cheap way to get uh, dust for future crafts. So it's yeah. it's a fair twenty-four yeah, pack I mean, for if you're fifteen playing, bucks. Yeah, if you're playing Wild, you either have all the cards already, or like you don't like you tend to craft the stuff anyway. You don't tend to open packs because. Um, it's really not efficient. Um, so this is a way for them to get more dust if they need it, I guess. And for players who want to get into wild to have stuff to dust, because chances are you're not getting anything good in these. So, yep. yeah, but yeah, um, it's um, yeah, great value. I was going to say, unless you, I mean, unless you're going to hit a pity timer on, on one of those or something, maybe you get a, another legendary or something. But yeah. th- only three packs per set means it's probably not. Uh, yeah, you're not, not going to get not much. going to happen. But uh, I typically end up getting these bundles just because they're such a good deal. The price per pack uh, is like sixty five cents or something U.S. And anything under a dollar a pack tends to be a pretty pretty good deal compared to the two dollars a pack on the mage bundle that we saw saw before. So it's just I- like. Yeah, I feel like if you at least have passing interest in Wild, this is good. So yeah, I, or if I you're just short on dust, like yeah, there's no. If you don't have a lot of dust, then this is still great. Even if you don't have any intentions to go into Wild, just dust everything you pick up. Yep. Yeah. So excellent. So that brings us to our main topic. We want to talk about when you start a game, when you queue up knowing your game plan like what are you going to do when you go into the game this is a really broad and hard to nail down topic so we're going to be talking um focusing mostly on the mulligan stage and not going too in depth in everything kind of taking an overhead look at it um because if we don't then we'll be here for six hours and nobody will listen to us (laughs) <laughs> this isn't a card review not a card review episode so i mean i might be interested in talking about all the intricacies of like specific hunter decks versus whatever you know but like and going over like thousands of different different mulligans but i don't think you would be so let's just skip all that exactly let's uh let's focus on broad strategy that you can use to kind of maybe inform your mulligan decisions and informing your game plan and you know, hopefully, leading you to be a better yeah. player overall, setting yourself mm-hmm. up for success when it that's, comes to that's a great way to put when it, it comes to the game. Yeah. yeah. So, like we said, we're focusing a little bit on the mulligan right now because it is the most important stage of the game. After you hit that play button, you know, uh, when you can no longer tinker with the cards in your deck, the mulligan is the most important part of the game, the actual game. Um, mostly because it will dictate the first several turns of both of your game. Um, if you're trying to play a more aggressive deck and you have a bad mulligan and you don't have anything to do for turn one and turn two, then you're probably going to lose the game. Mm-hmm. Just 
doesn't matter what you're Been there, doing. If you're trying to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and to the other side, if you're playing a more slow control deck, having getting those nine drops, those ten mana spells, stuff like that in your opening hands, probably not going to do you any favors either. Um, but maybe they will. Like, this is part of the thing, you know? Sometimes keeping a Xerix cloning gallery versus a priest, you know, the mirror is a good idea. Keeping exactly. Hunter is not. It's it's all Protect. very subjective. <laughs> it's knowing, yeah. knowing your game plan, knowing that, hey, if I'm a slow controlly deck i want my tools that will combat an aggro deck if i'm if i if i'm guessing i'm going up against a more aggressive deck i want tools early on i want to be able to you know drop a doomsayer or you know do something along the lines to fight for board early on to give me time to get into my more powerful moves later moves later on um but it's also like to, to counterpoint that, right? For the mm-hmm. example, the priest matchup versus hunter, you would think that like keeping a bad luck albatross because it's just a three mana minion, well, it's going to fight for board, right? No, it's not. They have the storm hammer. They mm-hmm. have corrosive breath. Your albatross isn't going to kill. The chances that your albatross actually kills anything on the board is extremely low, and you just load the chance that you get a convincing infiltrator on five, a cartoon defender on six, a mass hysteria on five, breath of the infinite on three. Like, there are things, there are times where, like, having that albatross on three versus another, versus a rogue or something, right? Like, Mm -hmm. or a Highlander deck, a druid, you know? They're great. It's great to have those things on curve. Absolutely useless against Hunter. And that's some, one of the things that you'll have to know in your game plan. Um, and to the counterpoint, the Hunter, you know, it wants to have the early aggressive starts, but Phase Stalker, which is super valuable in like 95% of matchups, is almost useless in this matchup. It's not going to be... The, the secrets are not going to be triggering until like turn six or something and you don't want to be hero powering right like you want to be playing minions so it's much better to have that fairy dragon on turn two than the face stalker okay, and the added so bonus I, so, is the fairy oh. dragon is a dragon so the storm hammer doesn't lose any durability if you do have that uh, on curve coming up on three exactly so what I was going to say was, so I'm going to play dumb for a minute okay. or play play like I was when I first started, which was I see some so some cards come up and I should I would always mulligan them and try to find ones, twos and threes, because those are the first three turns. And and, and I wanted something to play. And, and you're telling me that that's not how 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 to do this in some cases, in a lot of cases, in like, wh- wh- how do you how do you start thinking about what it is you are doing in the mulligan, or what sort so, of mean, things I, do you think about in the mulligan? I'm going to completely take out control and combo decks from here because mm-hmm. if you're playing control and combo deck and you're new to the game, what the heck are you doing? First of all, <laughs> but also you probably don't have very many ones and 
two mana cards unless it's like Christology or something in Paladin, right? Like where you're just drawing. And like drawing cards in combo deck is good. I don't think there's any questions about that, you know? Um, so it's it's more the mid-range and the aggro decks. Um, and generally speaking, you do want to have a minion on one, a minion on two, a minion on three, you know, because you want to have that board control. You want to be, especially in the mirrors, right? Like if you're going aggro v aggro or mid-range v mid-range or even aggro v mid-range, um, board control in the first few tunes is huge. Like, that's mm-hmm. how you decide who gets the game. If you're able to say, whoever's basically able to say, I don't care about your minions anymore and go face generally wins. Because you're forcing your opponent to say, well, he's already dealt like 10 damage to me last turn. I need to make sure he doesn't do anything more because I'm a step behind. So I need to kill off his minions and therefore I'm not doing face damage, which means he gets more opportunity to do it. Right? But that isn't always in the case of minions. So I'm going to take like the Dragon Hunter v. Dragon Hunter matchup, right? Like That's one I'm good at losing, so yeah, this is, so is like, going to be good. What, the, what you do going first and second is huge, right? Like if you have a Dwarven, like which, if you have both of the one drops in your hand, right? You have the uh, Battle Mage and the Sharpshooter. Which one you play on curve on turn one can determine if you win or lose that match. Because if you play the sharpshooter and your opponent coins out a fairy dragon, well, crap, you know? Mm-hmm. That thing's going to go two for one on you and you pretty much lost the board. On the other hand, if they, if you play the battle mage and they get the face stalker out, if you don't have Corrosive Breath or another way to deal one damage, then that thing's going to hero power and get a secret out from their deck and you're on the back foot again. So, which one drop to play? Like, this is given the luxury of if you have both of them, you know? But, like, which one you have to play can determine if you win or lose depending on what their play is. And if they just match it, then that's great. But it, the ideal taking the reverse if you're going second in that matchup, the ideal situation for you is you want to be coining out that two drop on turn one into either hero power, if you have the phase stalker, or another two drop, not necessarily a minion, it could be corrosive breath, on turn two. Corrosive breath is super important in that matchup because it's one, removal, two, deal space damage. You're clocking them faster than they're clocking you, you're dealing with the minion, while keeping yours on the board, um, it, it's so efficient. Especially like if you're able to go Fairy Dragon on turn one into Corrosive Breath on turn two into Stormhammer on turn three. Like, how do you lose that game ninety nine percent of the time? Mm-hmm. So what uh, you're saying, so what you're saying is your strategy is going to change if you're going second and you have coin. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Like it is almost. I don't want to say it's something that you would do a hundred percent of the time, but if you're going second in the dragon in the hunter v hunter matchup, I would almost consider mulliganing your one drops. Mm-hmm. You need a coin two, and my like this is just my opinion. I don't know if other people have to say about it, but I think that getting the coin two on turn one is so important 
that it is worth throwing away a one drop for. Okay, Especially the, if you can follow it up. Yeah, I was going to say, the amount of times I've had <laughs> that play made against me when I'm playing something else is pretty staggering, too. So that seems to be a pretty universal play to the at least into the Phase Stalker or Fairy Dragon. Yeah. And then you can compound that even further by having the um, the Felwing in your hand. If you have phase coin phase stalker into into hero power pull a secret from your deck attack face into Felwing, oh my god. Like talk That's about nasty. a blowout on That's turn nasty. two. Yeah. You know? And if you're doing this, please, please, please do not put explosive trap in your deck. One co- one or two copies of Snake Trap and one or zero copies of Freezing Trap. Like, do not put Explosive Trap. Because what the Freezing and the Snake Trap do is they protect your board. If 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 you do Face Soccer Hero Power and your opponent has a minion on the board, they do not want to attack with that minion. And if they do want to attack, they do not want to trade into that Face Soccer because they're summoning more power. You gain three one ones. So three attack versus the two attack of the face stalker. Like if they attack the face stalker, they are putting more power on the board. You know that's a horrible situation to be put in. And on the other side, if it's a freezing trap, well now you just basically remove that minion from play for free. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. But then let's take it to the other another matchup, right? Priest versus hunter. Is priest favored because they can generally survive, use their removal, put down a infiltrator or a cartoot, and endure their burn. You're not going to get anywhere with an albatross. You're probably not going to get far with a penance. Penance is great. It does not work versus fairy dragon. It does not work versus evasive bellwing. Maybe, like, if you go into it, maybe you can hit a Felwing or something with it, but you want to have, ideally, in Breath of the Infinite on turn three, turn four, whenever they start to go wide, follow it up with Mass Hysteria, and then you throw down your big taunts. You know, having Forbidden Words, Penance, Albatross, like I said, even Time Rip, like, those aren't doing anything for you. Get rid of them. Zilliax is huge in that matchup. Yeah. Zilliax, especially if you have Psycho Pomp, Zilliax into Psycho Pomp wins you the game on the slot. Doesn't matter what else they do. I always liked uh, Faceless, uh, the Infiltrator into Psycho Pomp too. <laughs> Coin the, the. Uh... Infiltrator out on four, and then Psychopomp him back on turn five, and it's like, how much? What are you gonna lose to get through all this? It's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. yeah so like, Psychopomp is huge, but you if you keep it in the mulligan, there's a huge risk that you don't actually have one a five drop to play the Zilliax of the Infiltrator. Yeah. Um, and two that could possibly have been a mass hysteria or something, you know. Yeah. If you don't have those, then that Psycho Pump is a th- four mana three one that doesn't do anything. 
So, like, speaking about knowing your game plan, the only times I, like, in that matchup, if I was looking at it, the only time I would keep a Psycho Pump is if I was going second and I had one of those five drops in my hand already. So it would be, yeah. you know, Zilliax are convincing and Psycho Pump. I will con- I'll keep it there, but, you know. Ideally, you would have an AoE as well. Yeah. Um, if if you don't have the AOE, I'm not sure if you want to keep the Psycho Bomb right now. We might be getting too far deep into the woods yeah, exactly. right now, but like the back to like the uh, the aggro, the aggro mid range, whatever, right? Like board control is so huge in that matchup, right? When you're going into the control and combo, it's you want to get as many minions out as fast as possible and start clocking them as fast as possible. And at the turn six or, you know, around the turn time of uh, turn six, expect that you will deal no more face damage with your minions. Or no more relevant face damage with their minions. And you need to be able to have the damage from Stormhammer, potentially Leroy, spells, hero power to finish them off. And that's true for basically every single aggro deck. Um, in the control decks, this is so hard. Because yeah. control decks are generally harder to play than aggro decks. For the reason that the control deck is meta-dependent. You know, like you can have a aggro hunter. And that aggro hunter is probably going to stay the same 29, 30-ish cards, right? Uh, From start of the expansion to finish, assuming there's no balance changes. Whereas the control decks can change maybe three or four times, depending on what is the tier one deck. Because you need to account for that. You need to say, this is what I'm most likely to face, so these are the cards I need to have in my deck to improve my odds against that and it's going to worsen my odds against the tier 2 tier 3 decks but I have to take that risk you know and if it's a card that just improves your matchup across the board then it's probably too strong and might need a nerf Um, or it's just an absolute core card and why weren't you running that in the first place like why isn't Mass Hysteria in your gallery in your res priest I don't know what you're doing you know exactly um but you need to have the right tools. You need to be able to mulligan for those tools effectively. And then it gets really weird when you're not facing an aggro or mid-range. You're facing a control combo where it's like... Okay, I'll talk with the the control. Like we were mentioning earlier, like having a Xerix, a 9-mana spell... Keeping that in your mulligan in the mirror is, I would say, the optimal play. Like, it's not even something that you should think about. You should just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's these situations come all the time, right? Like, it's not just um, Xerix. It's Shadow Reaper Anduin. It's your Death Knight. It's the God, Ultimate Infestation, right? Like... These huge cards, when you know that you'll have the time to play them, 
that you need for your deck to function, you absolutely keep them. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird when you're like a newish player. It's like, why am I keeping a card that costs nine mana in my opening hand? It's because you will survive to nine ma- to turn nine, almost guaranteed. And then you will have such an advantage going forward from that point forward. Because the first like five, six turns as priest, first priest means nothing. Exactly. You're healing each other's faces. The light shall burn you. The yeah. light shall burn you. <laughs> <laughs> and blessings to you, you know? It's a blessings face-off, you know? Yes. <laughs> um, but after, like, turn nine, things get really weird. It's true. Yeah, they, you know? you just things start, start to go crazy. It's, so it's it's knowing knowing the key cards in your deck when you're when you're a slower deck in, in the matchups that you're going to see so like you said in the in the control, you know, resurrect priest matchup, if you keep Xerix and you're able to drop it on turn eight because you go second with the coin, you're gonna be in much better position than if you're able to drop it, you know, when you have ten cards left in your deck and you mm-hmm. have like maybe four minions left. And Yeah, absolutely. And then you're able to follow up with mass resurrection after you drop a Xerix because you kept that in your opening, you know opening ground so the other really weird one and this is one of the hardest ones to do is control versus combo because a lot of the time combo decks don't typically exist in a vacuum um mm-hmm. normally there's like another deck that that uh, class has that they can do so for example right now there's i mean holy wrath paladin isn't really a thing no. But it exists and so does Mac Paladin. So when you see Paladin, you're you do it right now you're assuming the Mac Paladin. And then things can go weird on you or sideways if it they turn out to be the Holy Wrath. Um the control decks almost one hundred percent lose to combo decks. The only way you win is you aggro them down, which is really hard for a control deck to do. Yeah. But it's something that you have to try. Like, you just have to, yeah, you have to go for it. You have to play all your minions as fast as possible and put on as much pressure. And the way that you win is they don't have their removal. Their hand is so bogged down with combo pieces that they cannot deal with the minions you're putting up and the eventual chip damage crushes them. My favorite matchup in this kind of style was the Big Spell Mage versus Quest Rogue from last year. Mm -hmm. It was something like 80% favored for the Quest Rogue. Yeah, it makes sense. Because you only have like you have a bunch of board clears, and they have infinite, basically four fours. Um, but I was, I was really good at that matchup because I would go super aggro on them as much as possible, and be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna like Alex draws are your face. I'm gonna play a Dragon Queen, or what was it? The um." Alana? Yeah, a dragon. Dragon, oh, dragon Caller Alana. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to play that for like 
three or four um, Fi-Fi's and just start hitting you in the face, you know, I'm going to freeze your board and, like, just continuously, like, I, I go face, you know, and the only heal that you have in most of the cases was the uh, vicious scale hide. You don't have if you don't have that because it's not something that you keep versus mage you know versus big spell mage you know mm -hmm. you have no heal you die it's not a like i said it was like an, it was still in like an 80 20 percent matchup for the quest rogue but just by being smart with your resources by putting on that pressure i turned that to a 50 50 Nice. Yeah, I say I, I assume so most of, most people didn't expect you to start throwing stuff out like that too. No, they were so focused with like, oh, I'm gonna rush you down. I've got like thirty damage from hand, and they don't notice that over the course of the game, they've taken a lot of damage, and now they're just dead. You know. Um. So it's really hard to recognize that as your game plan as the control player because it's not something that's inherent to the deck but it's something that can be adjusted through the mulligan by by keeping those dinky minions i want to say putting on pressure and forcing them to make either bad plays or delay their combo mm -hmm. um it's it's also something to consider, like, if you're trying to find certain cards and those other cards are the cards you end up with, and it's like, suddenly my game plan has to change, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you, can, you can kind of look at it and, okay, I was mulliganing for these three cards, and I didn't get those cards, but the cards that I do have, maybe I can adjust my strategy because this is what I have to work with. To potentially try and find a win, even in this suboptimal situation, right? I think that's I think that's a really good way to put why the mulligan is so important too. Is just because if you know what you're trying to mulligan for, and you don't get it, you generally don't go ahead and concede right there. <laughs> you you play it out, and you kind of yeah, play it um... out with what you get. You know, the game isn't over until you reach zero health. But, exactly. Um, I, I would say at least for the aggro and then maybe the mid-range. Um, if you have a really bad mulligan, then you're pretty much screwed. Um, oh, yeah. But you but still if you're play in the out. control look, Yeah, you're, there is a chance that your opponent also has a really bad mulligan, you know? In mm -hmm. which case, you know, you can both try and scrounge something together to put on pressure but like especially if you're a, a control or combo deck you know all it takes is one top deck on turn five or something to completely turn the game around but you're putting if you have a bad mulligan you're putting yourself at a huge disadvantage yeah oh yeah oh do we have a is there anything else we want to talk about the mulligan before we wrap up for the week I mean, it's, um, it's, 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 it's a hard topic to really, you know, dive into in such broad terms because it, I mean, 
you're going to make referencing to cards. And if you listen to this, you know, in a month and a half, then, you know, some of the cards we reference aren't going to be in the meta anymore. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. And, and, and archetypes and strategies change. So we're trying to be as broad as possible, but when yeah, it comes we'll use to specific matchups, just to give you an idea, I think the main takeaway from here is that even if you're an aggro deck, your deck has more than one way to play. So figure it out. Exactly. And it's on you. How you play when you're behind. Figure out how to play when you're ahead. Figure out how to play when you're at even. Figure out how to play if you're playing the long game, the short game, whatever it is. Yeah. And play to your outs. It's hard. There is a reason why a lot of people suck at mulligans. There is a reason why this is the most transferable skill to any other card game that you will play. It, I don't think it's a surprise that people who are good in Hearthstone are also good in numerous of other card games. And I think not only does the like playing for tempo, playing control, whatever, transfer over, I think understanding the mulligan is a huge part of that as well. Yeah. I agree, and uh, as a top 200 legend player, um, I would uh, recommend listening to Nikolaius on this one, because I know I know, I personally could do a better job mulligan uh, on my mulligan strategies, so it's, it's definitely, it's, I, I know the frustration of, like, trying to mulligan against matchups you know you're unfavored in and you might have like one or two cards in your deck that you know leverage and get you back can get you back into the game and when you don't get those you're just like well this sucks so mulliganing is just so important when it comes to those things so 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 let's try and recap this a little bit as okay. as best we can to try and help out. And this is this is this is the thing I think about. So when I go into the mulligan, I see three cards or four cards if I'm going second. I think what am I trying to do? What are what is what is my deck's primary win condition and what are the cards that I need to do that? Do I need to have a quick start if if I'm an aggro deck or or a mid-range deck, tempo deck, those sorts of things. If I'm more controlling, I'm probably thinking about what my opponent is trying to do a little bit more, just because uh, those are the cards that I'm probably going to need. The, the you know, if I'm playing, uh, you know, warrior or priest or something like that, what are the AOEs that I'm going to need? What are the individual minions that I have that are going to match up well with what my opponent is going to be playing? And so thinking about those sorts of things, and and obviously that changes depending on the type of deck you have, and it also. Going first versus going second makes a huge difference. We, you know, Nikolaus talked about that. You know, talk to, talking about mirror matches, those tend to play a little bit more differently than than other matchups of of similar types of decks. You know, if you're talking aggro decks versus mid range decks and that sort of thing, and when you send some cards away and you come back and maybe you get those the I. I I think about trying to get those high win rate cards, right? The the wins that once you get those cards, you are in a much better chance to win. The Breath of Dreams, if you're playing the Embiggen Druid, the, or or the you know, uh, 
I, I'm trying to think, you know, the invoke cards right now are really important in, in the Galakrond decks, those sorts of things. Uh, but if you don't end up getting those cards, then you try and look at, well, what do, what do the cards that I have, what can they allow me to do? And think about where, you know, maybe because the coin I can kind of fudge and make up for what, what I'm missing, or maybe... I can draw it by the time I'm going to need it. But though thinking about, and and you gave a great example of maybe I try and be a bit more aggressive now because as a control deck, I ended up getting these, these lower to mid-range cost minions versus all my big AOE stuff. And, and just think about what can I do to put myself in the best chance to win? Or what can I do to put myself in a position so that if I do draw those those high win rate cards that I could take full advantage of them and get myself into that winning winning spot. Would you would you say that's would you say that's right? Yeah, I would say so. Um I would I just want to add one thing um that I didn't mention before and that's pay attention to your opponent. How many mm-hmm. cards did they keep? Did they full keep their four card mulligan? If so, you probably play differently. Yeah. Um, yes, because if you're assuming they got the cards they're looking for. Yeah, if for, you assume yeah. that your opponent if you're so I want to go back to the, the Hunter versus Hunter matchup. If you see that they kept all four of their cards, that's probably a situation where you lead out with that sharpshooter because you assume that they have the phase stalker. Just, in, just as an example. Yeah. I'd agree with that too. Yeah, that's a very... That's a that's a harder skill to adapt to is yeah. paying attention to what they can. I mean, so. if you have a deck tracker going, then it makes it significantly easier because it will actually Correct. show you what cards they mulligan. But if you're playing on mobile or, uh, you know, you just don't feel like playing with a deck tracker, uh, I haven't been feeling like it for the past couple months. But uh, it just means that you have to pay a little bit more attention. Um, it's not something that you should just be click click next and then go to the washroom or something you know you should pay attention for that uh extra couple seconds then you can do your turn one rope and go to the washroom or whatever (laughs) exactly all right so that's gonna do it for us this week mage what is this week's poll question Yes, so thank, I, I, I hope everybody got something useful out of this Mulligan discussion. This episode is going to be the first of a series of these to kind of look at various aspects of the game and what you can do and think about in order to improve. So, open-ended question this week. It's not it's not multiple choice. We're going to ask you to fill it out. Not essay style because it's only <laughs> Twitter and you're limited to a character limit. So, what part of the game would you like us to talk about next when we when it comes to just again high level things to th- th- various aspects of the game that can that 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 you think if we talked about that that would be something that would help you improve your game so let us know and we will we'll watch we'll watch those responses and uh we will we will work those into uh future episodes of the show all right, perfect. Speaking of the show, you can find us on Twitter at Dr3HS. Top, top pin tweet will take you to our Discord, and you can email the show at Dr3 
hs at gmail.com feel free to leave us a, a review on itunes but you can get us on any of your favorite podcaster applications and you can find me on twitter at daring alkaline nick you can find me on twitter at nicolias123 and mage and occasionally you can find him in my twitch <laughs> chat like he was last night Battle Rage. uh, Yeah, telling me uh, about Battle Rage and that I wasn't going face enough with Galakron Warrior. And you can join him at twitch.tv slash magedev Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Or you can uh, see what I'm talking about uh, Hearthstone related or house related or pool related on Twitter at magedev there as well. Nice. To be fair, right, I don't guys, think I mentioned the battle rage in Twitch chat. It was only just a few hours ago. <laughs> no, that was that was the I'm gonna give you grief about it before the show. Uh, I was just enjoying that, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyways guys, thanks for tuning in this week and as always you've been listening to Doctor Three. Boom.